This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And it is another win for Don Antonio's. Yeah, I'm fully on the bandwagon. Don Antonio's nasty, nasty Tottenham Hotspur. 2-0 away, Nottingham Forest. It was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. Could have been 3-4-5-0. Spurs made a lot of decent chances, I felt, in places. Nottingham Forest defended valiantly. Let's say valiantly. They did. Um, but it was an ugly game, wasn't it? It was ugly. It wasn't nice to watch once again. Um, let's just do an overview of the match, first of all. This, I'm sort of I'm caught in two minds at the moment, right, with Spurs, because I've seen a, a few people say, um, sort of both in my WhatsApps and... And by WhatsApps, I mean plural. I'm not just saying that like some old granddad's like using the wrong sort of terminology in my WhatsApp groups, right? That it feels, and I've seen various people tweet it, um, but it all feels a little bit Mourinho at the moment. Um, that we're kind of, we're sacrificing possession, right? To make meaningful chances on the counter, and when I guess probably the temptation is when you have players like Son and Kane, Kulisevsky, Richarlison, Perisic, knowing that you can effectively counter against teams, as we are seeing, the proof is in the pudding. Um, it's it's tempting, and especially when you know our best defender, arguably Christian Romero, is out. Um, we don't have, let's just say we don't have an exceptional defence, at least on paper. Um, why Why there is this habit of kind of controlling games in a very defensive fashion. Um, it's funny, I, I was noticing in the first half, so Forrest were, Forrest were putting on kind of a, a facade of, I would say, pressure in so much as we were kind of letting them because we were finding it quite easy to contain them. And I noticed, and it's all very deliberate, you can see it, is because any time Forrest got anywhere near kind of our box, our our entire box was completely swarmed with white shirts. Completely. Um, there was just a sea of Tottenham players every time Nottingham Forest wanted to try and break through. And it just made it almost imp- impossible for them. Like they would kind of, they'd attack with a bit of purpose. You'd see Lingard breaking through. Um, Gibbs White, who is, you know, a lot of people kind of raised their eyebrows about the signing of him. He looked really good a couple of years ago at Wolves. And I, I don't know why he didn't get more time there. I thought he looked really decent again today. I'd have him at Tottenham. I know he's he's not going anywhere now. 
but I just mean it in a, let's just say in a conceptual sense, not in an actual sense. I'm not, you know, looking for us to go and sign him in this same window that Nottingham Forest had just signed him. I'm just saying, I think he could bring something to Tottenham. I think he's a good player. Um, and he was, he was, he was tricky for them today. Um, but also at the same time, did they actually create anything that meaningful? And this is, I think this is, this is what we're having to look at with Tottenham at the moment, right? Is it feels a lot of the time that Spurs are not playing very well in games, or is it just that we're playing really well and we're really comfortable? And yes, we are surrendering a lot of possession to the opposition, but what are they doing with it? Nothing, because it looks like we are so incredibly coached defensively, um, whatever sort of patterns of play that we are clearly being drilled on in the in on the training ground, are being implemented to great success so far. Um, even Chelsea, who are one of the better teams in the league, let's say it's up for debate how good they are still. You know, this is kind of one of the million dollar questions at the moment with Chelsea. It's the million dollar question, I tell you, kid. Um, but I don't really know why I went into some weird impression there. It's just kind of it felt appropriate. Chelsea are one of the only teams that have really sort of bothered us so far, right? And even their goals sort of felt a bit fortuitous, you know? So Spurs are, Spurs are really good. Spurs are really good. But um, I don't just discount it because it, it, it is tough watching. And I do, I do worry about how kind of passive we appear to be. Um... It would be maybe nice to see us kind of defend or at least patrol the pitch with a little more aggression, maybe. Um, that feels a little proper football man to say, but there's a part of me that worries or wonders if our kind of our passive approach gives other teams a bit more confidence. But then I guess one would argue that we're getting results. So what does that fucking matter if we're kind of duping the other team into this false sense of security um, that they can get something against us. It only leaves them open for us exploiting that, as we've seen in this game, um, case in point. Um, it's difficult, and I, I truly, honestly feel it's going to be one of those things we're going to look back on retrospectively, positively or negatively, as in, like, Conte's played an absolute blinder here, or... This is Mourinho 2.0. I would say right now in this in this moment, um, reflecting just on this game and probably the past couple of games we've seen, the big difference that I would call out immediately um, compared to that Mourinho side. Well, the the one of the major differences is the fitness of the players, but in terms of the way we're actually playing on the pitch, I would still say compared to that Mourinho era. We are attacking with a lot more purpose. Um, and it seems to be that we're attacking with an actual coordinated plan, with an idea of how we want to get at the opposition, as opposed to just that feeling under Mourinho where it was, hey, give the ball to Son and Kane. They're really good and they can score. Because that will always come unstuck against the against the big sides. Um, we've only played Chelsea so far. It will be interesting. I think the the... The really interesting game for me is gonna be is gonna be Arsenal. 
Um, I'm just seeing that because I know that's October 1st. I'm just seeing, I have a feeling we have City coming up before then though. So City's always a bit of an interesting one for Spurs, really, because I, I, it sounds stupid to say, but we are so in their heads. I don't really think we learn an awful lot about Spurs. Um, and I was correct. Yeah, we do have City coming up. I thought we did. Um, we got City coming up on the 10th of September. Um, Arsenal on the 1st of October. But I still stand by what I was saying in that I'm not. I'm never sure how much we learn about Tottenham in games against Manchester City. Thankfully, given that they are, you know, one of the best teams in Europe, we just are rent-free in their heads. We, you know, we, we're exactly that. Um, so it's difficult to know, really, um, what we get from that. But the game against Arsenal, 1st of October, that will be very interesting because Arsenal have been playing very well. They've been playing out of their skin. I would almost say... Our results are very similar, right? I, I know they've got their perfect start to the season, but at the same time, you know, we're both unbeaten. We're both on a bit of a roll. We're doing quite well. Arsenal seem to be getting there with this really, really high energy. Everyone kind of pumping their fists at the end of every move, every game, or hugs or smiles. You know, kind of, there's this, somebody said it, I think it was um, a lad called Jay Jaffa on Twitter he uh, he said yesterday, this Arsenal project feels emotionally unsustainable. And that, to me, was a really, really good way of putting it. Um, it does feel like... Hang on one second. I should close my blinds because the sun is shining in my face. This is the sort of magic you get in these uh, one-man pods. This time of night, the sun shines like right down into my face. Like the sun sets on this side of the house. Um, and so yeah, like kind of this sort of time of night, I suddenly get boiling when I'm sat in here doing this. But anyway, um, this Arsenal project at the moment, it feels like, like I say, it, it, if you saw the game against Fulham yesterday, it's not celebration police, like, but the the way they're kind of just getting so excited over beating like this Fulham team who. They are decent. They're a solid side, but it's a newly promoted side. And it feels to me like if Spurs were doing this type of thing in this season, we'd get called out a lot more. Why are Tottenham struggling to get this over the line? And this is interesting, man. This is how the media... uh, I know I sound a bit Alex Jones saying this, but the way the media narratives feed into this type of stuff, and I've spoken about this before with why can Arsenal get FA Cups across the line? What's this club DNA shit? I I don't really buy that. But the way in which a club is pigeonholed, the way in which they are kind of framed, does play into this stuff. If Arsenal are still framed, Arsenal are still boxed up as this sleeping giant, the Invincibles, the team that won the double under Wenger, the team that revolutionised Premier League football, the wars against Manchester United, all this type of stuff. They've had a few off years, but it's a matter of time until they're back. That plays into all this stuff. When opposition come up against them, especially in big FA Cup showpiece games, big teams, there's still that little bit in the back of their head like, this is still the Arsenal. This is still that team that I've just mentioned a second ago. When it comes to Spurs, it's this is Ruffleham Lolspur. This is Bottleham. This is the Spurs that can never get anything over the line. They haven't won the league since 1961. The last thing they won was a League Cup. They haven't won an FA Cup since 1991. Are they going to be able to get it over the line? 
oh, you know, what manager are they going to sack this month? How much money has Daniel Levy spent? So on and so forth. The whole narrative is geared towards Tottenham being a failure that continues to fail and can't get it across the line. Arsenal, this valiant, brave, brilliant side that have been so hard on their luck for the past few years and we should all have great sympathy for them because the Unai Emery project didn't work out and Mikel Arteta is really trying his hardest with £500 million or whatever it is so far spent. And, you know, he's finished eighth, he's finished eighth again and he finished fifth last year and, you know, they lost out to Tottenham but... They were still plucky and they still nearly got it there and they've got lovely kits and, you know, it just, it, it all feels very geared against Tottenham. So we saw that with, with Fulham yesterday. They got that across the line. They struggled in that game. They fucking struggled and you don't want to do Fulham a disservice. Fulham actually looked decent. Fulham looked great against Liverpool on the first game of the season and they... I think Mitrovic has done a bit of a Benzema. He's done a bit of a like Poundland, if you want to say Benzema, in that he's lost a bit of his bulk. I mean, people want to be crass and sort of, you know, whatever, call footballers fat. No, no footballers are really fat. Um, although it does look like uh, Benzema has enjoyed his summer again now. <laughs> he had his Ballon d'Or season last year and this year he's kind of come back after not skipping the breadbasket um, before his dinners, should we say, over the summer. But... Whatever, the, uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. Mitrovic looks like he's kind of slimmed down. He looks like he's lost a bit of the bulk. He looks more like an athlete. And if you can get him firing, which he seems to be this year, Fulham can be decent, man. Like He's, he's a good player. He's a player that I've seen a lot of Spurs fans say they would have at Tottenham um, when Kane goes or as backup to Kane, whatever. I, d- I don't really know about that, to be honest, but I do think he's a good player. Um, I'd be worried when we play them I'll be worried about him I think we're playing them quite soon actually anyway Um, just after West Ham maybe but either way either way you should be beating a team like Fulham pretty easily and they didn't but I guess on the flip side you would say they still got the job done Spurs today we got the job done but I feel like, and you know, this is this is an instant reaction, but I do feel like a lot of the talk is going to be that Spurs laboured to this. Spurs struggled against Nottingham Forest. Why did Spurs struggle against this newly promoted side? Yes, they've spent a lot of money, but it's still Nottingham Forest. Tottenham want to win the league. Tottenham have got Antonio Conte in charge. Why didn't they make mincemeat of these teams? They've got the England captain as their main goal scorer. Um, you know... It's and it's all going to be geared this way, but as long as we can keep getting these results over the line, I think that is the important element at the moment at Tottenham, and that's just what we want to see. Three points are three points. This is what Charlotte keeps saying to me as well. When I kind of sort of have a bit of not a wobble, but just when I'm be kind of moaning about it during the game, three points are three points. Um, so I guess that is what's important at the moment. I do worry about how. We will fare against some of these bigger sides um, if we do offer up this same level of kind of position, but maybe we won't. And this is what I'm saying about we're only really going to be able to fully judge what it is that Conte is doing. I I honestly believe this retrospectively. I think this is going to be one of those things at the end of the season, we're going to look back having won the league or having come fifth or having come sixth and thinking, what the fuck was going on there? Why were we doing that? Um, But... It's three points. It's three points. Spurs are still undefeated. Go on, dog. 
let my cat out. That was Dot, one of the cats that usually lives in this room. She she will chill out a lot of the time, but sometimes, you know, you know, anybody who owns a cat will know what cats are like. Cats are cool until we're not, and then they are, then they're in charge. Um, but it's three points to Spurs. It's I mean, there was a good atmosphere there today, Nottingham Forest. Um, we've got a horrible record against them. I know this is kind of skewed. It's one of those things they were, they've not been in the Premier League for years. Whatever. This stuff still carries on though, right? Like when it doesn't suit us or when it does suit us, I don't know. Basically, records mean something until they don't, right? Um, And today they don't because we won. We went up there. We got the job done. We won 2-0. And again, in that kind of hot emotion of the game as it's happening, it feels like we're doing a lot worse than we did. But really, Nottingham Forest had one shot on target today. One shot on target. They had the lion's share of the possession. They played the ball about pretty well. But ultimately, they had one shot on target. Um, what I will give Nottingham Forest a lot of credit for, and this is what I think kind of skews the scoreline a bit, is I think they were absolutely fucking sublime defensively. Um, I thought they were, honestly, I thought they were brilliant. In the first half, after that superb through ball from Hoybier for Kane, there was a last-ditch tackle on Kane. That would have been surely 2-0 at that point. Um, there was two or three different um, last kind of ditch tackles or blocks on shots from Kulisevsky when he'd cut in. Um, that's maybe something we need to talk about. Um, but we'll do that as I go through player by player. But still, I thought Forrest were Forrest were brilliant defensively. I thought they, they, they defended well. Um Kind of attacking-wise, you know, I think this is kind of where they showed their kind of credentials as a as a not great side. Gibbs White was good. They had that other lad, Tofolo, um, that sounds like a kind of, there's that, what is it, Tofifi or something? There's that kind of budget confectionery um, that you can buy over here. Um, he's sort of decent. He had quite a bit of pace about him, I thought. That Nico Williams lad from Liverpool... Kind of seems like you'd imagine a kind of Liverpool offshoot to look as in like not quite good enough for Liverpool, but looks like a solid Premier League player in pretty much any other team uh, he plays for. Um, I couldn't quite believe that it, that that, <laughs> that Forrest didn't get a red card for that. They went to VAR. Um, I'd be interested to know what the rationale for that was. If they've really just judged that as the ball from that opportunity literally was not flying into the net at that point. Um, but surely you've got to be a bit subjective in these, in these circumstances. Isn't that the point of a referee? Um, when we talk about kind of dangerous play, um, we're not saying he's broken somebody's leg. We're saying there's the potential that he could have caused serious injury to another player there. So I would liken that kind of logic to this situation um, whereby you've got Harry Kane, one of the most efficient and ruthless strikers on the face of the planet, about to get on the end of a cross. And I think it was Cook has quite clearly just batted the ball away with his hand. But, you know, it feels a bit kind of the Arsenal, um, a bit Man United to really, really kind of hang on, kind of officiating decisions like that. It's one of those, isn't it? I mean, I would have probably been way more annoyed. Well, I definitely would have been way more annoyed if uh, we'd have ended the game with a draw. Um, dare I say even a loss. 
but we didn't. We won. Kane came good in the end. Um, three more points for Spurs. We keep that momentum going. It would be nice to see us be a bit more aggressive. Um, I guess in our defensive phases, let's say that, because I do think we're an aggressive attacking outfit. And again, that's what I want to sort of cling on to. The difference between this and the Mourinho era is that when we are in possession of the ball, when we are going at the opposition, there's always purpose there. And we've got some of the most incredible attacking talent in the division, in the league, um, at our disposal. So I think just just cling on to that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is. don't get me wrong, it's not entirely sort of beautiful to watch at all times, but we're getting the results. Um, Hugo... I thought he had a, a pretty sound game. He, he I, I noticed in this game, I don't know if this is a recurring thing with him. Um, there was a lot of parrying. Do you, I, do you remember, um, was his name Alex Manning? Was it Manning? What was his name? That old Arsenal keeper. Um, Manninger. Manninger? Alex Manninger. Yeah, the Austrian goalkeeper. He always... Always used to punch the ball out. I always remember that. Um, whenever he'd get a chance playing for Arsenal, it was one of those things I always found it so bizarre. And I always used to... It's one of the few things I could make fun of, like, one of my Arsenal supporting mates about back in the day. Um, which, you know, that's literally the level that Spurs are at compared to Arsenal. Your goalkeeper punches the ball quite a lot. Oh, well. We took your club captain and won the double with him. So... You know, but <laughs> let's not go back to those days. Um, but yeah, Lloris didn't have a lot of work to do. Um, but still, the kind of punching, parrying thing feels a bit dodgy, doesn't it? I'm not I'm not really sure he's uh, up to that. And it, it does feel like a fairly new habit of his. So maybe this is something that Conte and that are, are drilling into him. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but he had a good game, I thought, overall. Um who we got out? Dav Dav Sanchez. So I I really want to know. I want to know what the exact stat on this is now because I think before the what's the last fucking game we played? Um, Wolves. Before the Wolves game, when we were all worried, or some of us, Exhibit A over here, were worried about Romero missing um, for the next few games. It was pointed out that Davison Sanchez hasn't conceded or hasn't been on the. Uh, receiving end of Spurs conceding a goal for about something mad like seven hours of football now um and that's two games ago now so you know that's another what three hours hour and a half per game yeah hour and a half per game so another three hours of football on top of that um and <laughs> he looks decent doesn't he I mean if we it, it's I'm always going to hang on to that kind of bit of fear with Dav Sanchez that he's great until he's not because that's always kind of the way it's been with him. Um, But he's looked really good. Um, His pace is a pretty welcome addition to our to our side. You you saw it a few times, like some of his sort of recovery challenges when Forrest were breaking with a bit of pace. He kind of got back and covered made one of his good he's he's really decent on the deck like his siding challenges are often really fucking good I think that's something that maybe I or many of us don't give him enough credit for I do think aerially funnily enough for like a pretty tall guy he's not that good in the air um but on the deck like his siding challenges are often timed impeccably um really really decent and he, he looked really decent on the ball today 
He linked up pretty well with uh, Emerson, Emerson Royale. So, Dav, you know, good game. Um, good game, I thought. And long may it continue, him playing like this. Eric Dyer, you know, I'm a big fan of Eric. Big fan of Eric Dyer. Thought he's been absolutely exceptional for the past sort of season and a half now. Not one of his better games today. Really not one of his better games. Um, pretty ropey. I've, t- I've made a little note in my phone on about the 30-minute mark. He got he got he got mugged off like too far up the pitch. Um, he sort of slid in on I'm not sure who it was one of the one of the forest attackers. He slid in and just got completely sent to the shops, and that that gave Forest like a complete sort of break on our goal. And there was another moment sort of a bit later on in the match. I can't exactly remember. Uh, here we go. Yeah, fifty third fifty first minute as well when I think he was he was sort of trying to play out from the back. And he just sort of played a real sort of dangerous pass. I think he sort of hit the ball into one of Forrest's attackers as well. Just little lapses in concentration like that that you don't want to see creep back in from from Dyer. Like feels like he's worked really, really hard the past couple of years to kind of iron out a lot of this shit, get a lot of this out of his system. Um, you don't want to see it creep back in because you know, as has been said, he's. He's one of the generals of our team. He's going to be an ever-present. And he is a good player when he's not kind of being prone to these lapses in concentration. So let's just hope it's a blip um, and he can iron it out. Um, Ben Davies, I thought he had a pretty, pretty solid game today. Um, I think him and him and Perisic seem to be... It, it, it's a bit early to say, but I thought there was few kind of interplays between them um where it looked pretty promising i thought they were kind of on a on a similar wavelength and i think i've said it before but i just think ben davis is actually you know he's a good footballer i just think he's like a good solid footballer um he's got the kind of gentle ben moniker and that's probably a bit unfair he is a bit of a shit house but i think he's maybe just in the attacking phase he feels a, he can feel a little bit timid sometimes. Um, would like to see him kind of attack the opposition when he's in control of the football with just a little bit more verve, perhaps. But he's not really that type of player, so it's kind of you know, what is it like? You know, there's that stupid old when I put a goldfish in a tree and expect it to climb or something. I can't remember who said. I think that's even a fucking Mourinho thing, isn't it? Whatever, but it's he's. I think he's decent, Ben Davies. He's had another good game. Um, him and yeah, him and Perisic linked up well. I think so. Let's give him. Let's give him a break. It's another clean sheet for him. So he's done something right. Um, Emerson Royale, I really good, really good again. Um, again, kind of like what I was saying with Davies, but a little bit different. Is it? Emerson in the attacking phase is not he doesn't strike fear into the opposition right when you've got a Reese James or a Trent Alexander-Arnold there I know I'm choosing two of the league's most exceptional kind of probably two of Europe's most exceptional kind of attacking wingbacks but still it's a player that you know when they pick the ball up they can really do some damage to the opposition you don't really feel that with Emerson um I think he plays all right with Kulisevsky I think they have somewhat of an understanding um, I think that's 
if I'm being brutal about it, I think that's predominantly more about Kulisevsky's class than it is Emerson's. But what I will give Emerson is that he does work hard. He is up and down the flank. Um, and defensively, maybe he doesn't get enough credit for his defensive work because I think he's he's pretty solid and he was pretty solid again today. It would just be nice, given that he occupies that position um, and we know how important that is for a Conte side, it would be nice if we did have a player that was more potent, right? He was more... He was more dangerous. He could he could more frequently um, and consistently play balls into the box. Um, he could c- cause problems for the opposition um, in that in that attacking half. And I, if I'm being sort of hand on heart honest, I don't really feel that he does that. Um, but again, he's solid, and I think. Maybe a lot of this, like what I was saying at the top, and maybe a lot of this with Conte and with what we're kind of doing at the moment, the fact he's stuck with Emerson, he's not put Doherty back in, he's not put Spence in. Really, what Conte is craving at the moment is that solidity, and then he will build on top of that. And one might say that's what Mourinho is trying to do. Um, But, again, I heart back to, I do feel that when we're in possession of the football we're a very different outfit to what we were under Mourinho. You may disagree, but that's just kind of what I would say from from the old eye test at the moment when I watch it. Hoybier, again, another brilliant game. Another brilliant game for the lad. Really good. Um, that ball through to Kane uh, should have been a goal, were it not for some exceptional defending from Nottingham Forest. Don't think Kane was offside. I think he had been played onside. So don't think anybody did anything wrong in that move. It was just... Some brilliant work from Nottingham Forest. Um, But defensively, really good. Worked really hard. Up and down the pitch. Looked like he was everywhere. Getting stuck in. um, Putting some decent balls about the place. I mean, we might be able to say that he could be more adventurous with the football, but he played that ball to Kane and he seems to be kind of pinging balls about the place. So, yeah, another another really good performance from Hoybier. Um... Can't fault him. Can't fault him. Really good. And again, we've kept a clean sheet. Um, Forrest, again, I don't think Forrest are great, but again, the occasion, the occasion's big, you know. They really seemed up for it today. I don't know why, but they're, they're fans, you know, last game of the weekend, Super Sunday, all that type of shit. They've had all day on the beer. We've all been there. We've all done that, you know. Um, it's... There's, there was electricity in the stadium, right? Singing their Mulligan Tine stuff. What, it's not fucking Christmas, is it? he's singing that for come on it feels like you know between that and between arsenal singing that north london is forever it feels like everybody's trying to ape this kind of you'll never walk alone that kind of anthemic thing that liverpool have i mean it is detestable but it it's you know you can tell it is rousing i'm sorry it is it is you can you can hear that that when when anfield is singing out and you can say whatever you want about the anfield atmosphere after after the fact after that point but that game, especially if you imagine for like European games, all that type of thing, it's big, it's rousing. I can imagine it gets the players going. Um, but ask that, God, oh, that North London's fair. And I'm not just saying it because it's Arsenal. Just that mawkish shit. Like, bin, bin, do away with it. Um, like I tweeted yesterday, I'm so much happier seeing our nasty boys 
stomping onto the pitch to enter Sandman. You know, even if we do share it with Virginia Tech, which you know, I don't know, it's kind of it's a it's got kind of weird, gives me weird feelings. It's one of those names you know here when like when you kind of I don't know if you ever fly in, in if you do like a sky scanner if you're trying to fly somewhere in Europe and you see you've got like a, a German wings plane um, after what happened with that German wings pilot I'm not just doing anything xenophobic about Germans um, it just gives me a, a horrible feeling um, but still Enter Sandman good tune to get him going I'm not a massive Metallica fan or anything but it is it's pretty banging when you're in the ground and stuff and you've got it going but none of this, like them singing Mulligan time, do one, do one. Um, ben Tanker, pretty quiet game, but again, solid. And funnily enough, like there were a few, there were a few occasions where I thought he was really kind of doing these like lung busting runs, um, which aren't really kind of what you expect from him. As we kind of speak about before, this kind of languid, kind of lackadaisical style about the lad, but he had a good game. He was putting it about, um, you know, I'll tell you what though. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, it's difficult. But first of all, I do want to see Basuma get a bit more time now, right? And I am interested to know why he's not, whether it's that Conte's just happy to stick with what he's got so far. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but it does seem weird that we'd buy somebody like Basuma and continue to bench him for now if he's not impressing in training or whatever. I don't, who knows? Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just that Conte doesn't want to drop any of his established stars. But I'd quite like to see Basuma and Hoybier alongside one another. Um, and that feels harsh from Ben Tanker. It does. But like I say, it is a knee-jerk instant reaction. Um, and if I had to say right now, and you've you, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you'll know that, I've really gone hard on Hoybier for the past few years, but I just I think he's he's been pretty brilliant this this season so far. And Ben Tanker is good; he's great. Um, spoken about his kind of calming presence before, but in some of these games, maybe when if I feel that we want to be a bit more aggressive, if we want to be a bit more front-footed, I might see Basuma coming instead of Ben Tanker instead of Hoybier. Um, but is that is that an urgent need to replace at the moment? I don't know. I don't think so. If we've seen, you see Jack Pitbrook the other day, he posted the October fixtures. That's going to be mad. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to record this after each of them. That's how many there are. Like, if people feel bad for the players. What about the podcasters? So, you know, think think about us. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Basumi's going to get plenty of time. Again, it's not it's not a big panic, is it? Let's be honest. Ivan Perisic, uh, yeah, I think he's he's everything that we were hoping he would be. Right? I mean, the man's a, the man's a machine. He's exceptional, and some of those. His deliveries into the box. There was one in the first half. Nobody was on the end of it, but it was just, it was exquisite. Um, and he's just so calm. He's so assured. There was that. Um, there was that opportunity. I think I want to say it was from a Forest corner, um, and the ball was kind of bouncing about in the box a little bit. Perisic just kind of stepped in, nodded the ball back to Lloris, kind of as if he had all the time in the world even though Forest players were swarming all around our box and everything. So if he had all the time in the world, just got up, nodded the ball back to Lloris, calm as you like. Um, that's exactly what you want from from your kind of seasoned veteran. Um, and a seasoned veteran who's still obviously very athletic and still just brilliant technically. He's a brilliant player. Um no kind of worries about him adapting, no worries about him dealing with the intensity of the Premier League and all this type of shit. He uh he's looked brilliant so far. Um obviously Sessignon came on for him towards the end of the game and I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think that's any kind of indictment on on him or his performance or anything like that. I just think it's a Sessignon is a young player. He's you know, his legs are full of energy, full of running. Um, and in a game like that, when it when you want to kind of shut up shop, having somebody like Sessegnon come in who's fresh, who can just kind of focus more on the defensive side of things, the defensive duties, you can sacrifice someone like Perisic, I think. Um, that's that's what I would imagine Conte's thinking is on that. Um, but another great game for Perisic. Brilliant. Um, Kulisevsky... Running out superlatives to Kulisevsky. The lad's like, he's one of our, <laughs> feels like he's one of our senior players already. Um, it's, you know, it's been a week when we've been talking about Deli Ali's fall from grace and how sad that is. Um, but I think we do forget kind of Deli Ali, how he came from being a kind of a promising teenage acquisition that will hopefully get something out of in a few years' time to being one of our senior and main players in a very, very swift space of time. Kulosevsky feels like he's on a on a similar trajectory to that. Um, let's hope he's not on the full trajectory of Deli Ali so far. Um, but the, the lad's unbelievable. Like, he's, he's just unbelievable. He's always causing problems to the opposition. The way he picks up the ball, the way he kind of menacingly kind of floats, floats down the kind of line, with the ball between his feet, juggling it, going at the opposition until, you know, he's he's brilliant. He's he's just he's he's astonishing. Um, I cannot believe we got him for twenty, thirty mil. He's a one hundred million pound player easily. If somebody wanted to buy him off of us, off of us this summer, it's got to be a hundred mil at least, at least, and. I don't I, I don't think that's deluded. I don't think anybody can say that you're stupid for th- feeling that way because he's unbelievable. He's brilliant. Uh, he's a truly brilliant footballer. Um Forrest got the measure of him a little bit in the it, at the real pinch points since when it came to shooting. And as I said at the top one thing we maybe need to speak about, there's a, maybe a little hint of the Iron Robins with him um whereby 
really, you know, he's at his most potent when he switches onto his left foot. And I think that's obviously playing on his mind. There was a, there was, I don't know if you remember, I want to say it was in the second half, early in the second half. He had a chance when he was running through on goal. You kind of thought he was going to take it onto his left and try and smack it, but he actually took it with his right foot. Um, and I think it was Cook just managed to shepherd him. Um, and he had a relatively tame shot with it. Um, we all know his potency of his left foot. Um, so it's going to be, again, up to him as an exceptional footballer to learn to deal with that, to learn to deal with the opposition, um, making allowances for the fact that he always hits it on his left. Um, but we're not going to split hairs over that. He's a young footballer. He's one of our best players at the moment. Um, again, another solid, exceptional performance from him. Sonny, 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 Sonny. Um Talking with Cosmo in the last pod, um, well, the last sort of studio pod, guest pod, about the need to have a bit of patience with Sonny. Um, I do feel like that patience might be wearing out a little bit. You don't want to get too knee-jerk about this, but it just feels like the lad's really in his own head at the moment. I can't, you know, I've seen various different opinions on Twitter and in me WhatsApps. Um, about him, is he carrying a little injury? Is he a bit tired after the summer? Um, my personal take on it is that I think he's in his own head a bit. I do think he's in his own head. I think he probably knows he hasn't started well. I think he knows he's got real competition now. Kulisevsky's there. You've got Richarlison there in particular. He's probably thinking about the sort of bar he set for himself last season with that golden boot. Um, it's tough you know it is tough but he just doesn't he doesn't look like the old Sonny at the moment he doesn't Um, and we all know he's a streaky player Um, it might be unfair to call him streaky it might just be that players don't score every single game Um, but that's kind of the vernacular we've got for these type of situations right that's what we say so um Sonny is not in a good moment right now, though. Um, and you don't want to... I think the, the risk is at the moment um, that you don't want to knock him. You don't want to knock his confidence so much by dropping him, I say in kind of inverted commas, um, because it, it might have further ramifications down the line. But it's a results business, right? Um and it's again, it's another game where we've seen kind of the dial turn a bit when Richarlison's come on. Um, and that's, I mean, that's one thing we're not considering, right? Richarlison coming off the bench might be a very, very different prospect to Richarlison starting games. You remember, you remember Chadley? You know, he, he often was good for a goal or an assist when he came off the bench. Starting games, generally not so good. Lucas, another player like that, right? Um I'm not. I, I'm not really meaning to throw shade at Richarlison, so I don't really need to make these kind of comparisons. All I'm saying is, is like sometimes better the devil you know. Um, we don't need to completely clamour for him over Son as a as an outright principle. But I guess on the evidence of what we've seen so far, um, it might be time. Might be time to just see what Richarlison's about starting as opposed to coming off the bench. Um, because Son is in his own head. 
And it's not nice seeing this. It's not nice seeing this. And maybe maybe this will be the kick up the RC needs. I can't completely read the situation. I'm I'm not in the guy's head. I don't know entirely how he would react to being dropped or not. I do have that fear of like, you know, will it knock his confidence? Will it this? Will it not? But maybe that's just the fucking bigotry or low expectations thinking, oh, son's so nice and he's so happy. And he's, at the end of the day, he's a fucking, he's a hardworking, ruthless killer on the pitch. You know, he's a brilliant world-class footballer. And what, if there's one thing that, all players who have gotten to the Premier League level. Again, we can talk about certain players being shit or not good or this. Any player that's playing professional football outright, let alone playing in the Premier League, has overcome a lot of adversity, has got a certain engine, a certain kind of strange, and I say strange, I mean strange in comparison to the everyman, to an everyday person, a strange level of self-belief, self-confidence that they're good and a desire to win and a desire to get better. So, yeah, maybe Son needs that. Maybe he needs kind of to start from the bench next time. And then maybe he'll be the guy after Richarlison struggles, if Richarlison struggles, to come off the bench, score a goal, break his duck, get it underway, um, get a season underway. So, I don't know, but I think we can all say Son's not in a good moment. And I do think from this point on, if he didn't start the next game, there's every reason to say that he might not because it is a midweek game, just a few days after this one. Um, that he could be rested and we could start Richarlison because Richarlison looked fucking brilliant again. He looked brilliant. I'll talk about him again in, in a little moment, but, you know, he's a brilliant player. And it, every time I see the lad, I just think that fucking 60 million, who cares? gone dusting dusting the wind you know it doesn't matter tears in rain whatever whatever metaphors you want to use it the money does not matter stop getting so fucking worried about how much we've spent just think about the actual players we have at our disposal don't think about who spent what on on what player from where just think about the players that Tottenham Hotspur have at their disposal the players that are now on our bench that we can call to to come on and change a game because we didn't have a player like Richarlison last year. We didn't. We would, if Son was playing like he was playing, Conte would look to the bench and he made a comment about that. He would look to the bench and he would have nobody to replace Son with. But now we have a player like Richarlison. So don't worry about the fucking money. You know, he's come on and put on a goal for Harry Kane, the second goal for Harry Kane and finished out the game. Harry Kane, um, you know, Two goals, two goals from him. Wasn't a vintage performance to him, but it's feeling like it's one of those seasons. I don't think we've even seen a brilliant vintage Harry Kane show up in the Premier League so far, but he's still, what is it, four goals now? <laughs> the man's on a mission this year. The man is on a mission. You can feel it. I think there's a feeling of destiny with him. Um, look, we've got, I don't want to get into this one too much now, but we've got him for... This season and next season, as far as we know, right? Um, this season, as far as we know, maybe we'll sell him in summer. I can't see it myself. I think now Harry Kane, even with one year left on his contract, is more valuable to Tottenham Hotspur than Harry Kane that we can get 40, 50 million from Manchester United because they know he's got one year left on his contract. We ain't going to be interested in that, I don't think. So as far as we know, we have two seasons um, left of Harry Kane now. Uh, as far as we know, really, we've got two seasons left with Antonio Conte. Um, we've probably got two seasons left with Hugo Lloris. 
We've probably got two seasons left with Hummin Son at a world-class level, if even that. Um, if the start of this season is anything to go by, who knows? Um, but I think he's on a mission, right? I think the lad is really... I just think he's really, really kind of up for it this year. Um, he's getting those goals kind of any way he can. Um and this is this is what we want to see from him, right? This is kind of it's everything that you want from Harry Kane. Even when he's not playing particularly well, he's still scoring. He actually missed a fucking I mean, I don't need to tell you he actually missed he missed a penalty today. Um, which is pretty rare for him, right? Um it's very rare for him. I think the only one I can really well, he missed the one against Hearts, wasn't it, in the Europa League. And he missed one against Denmark, which he scored the he scored the rebound. But other than that, Please jump in and tell me where he has missed one. But it feels like uh, that's pretty significant for him. But he scored two goals in this game. Um, And when he is fully up and running, I think he's going to be he's going to be there. And, you know, it's good. We can we can kind of look at over to Jesus doing all right at Arsenal. And we can look over to Haaland doing well at Manchester City. I mean, he's doing <laughs> he's doing way better than I mean. It's very easy, right? In uh, in not in hindsight, whenever it's very easy to say, ha ha ha. Yeah, of course he was going to do well, but I did think you know I thought the Bundesliga is a very different proposition. I know he's physically probably quite built for the Premier League. He's joining a team like Manchester City. I didn't. I honestly didn't think Haaland would take to the Premier League quite as quickly as he has done. But fucking hell, has he? Um, so. That's something we've always got to look at, but I think a player like Harry Kane, I think he, he think he thrives off of that type of thing, right? He's he's had Salah the past few years, providing that that bit of competition. Who knows what's going on with Salah at the moment? I'm sure he'll come good. Um, but Harry Kane is he's still banging him in, you know, he's still banging him in, and that's exactly what we want from from him. He's he's one of our he's one of our captains in spirit. He might not be our literal captain. Um, but he's still up there. He's he's somebody that leads by example. Um, the players, are, he's a talisman. That's all I need to say, right? He's a talisman, um, and we're we're blessed to have him. It's going to be a very funny time when we don't have him and Son. We are going to go into a dip, I feel. But we let's not let's not talk about that. We don't need to talk about that right now because we've won two 0 Spurs have won two 0 We're still up there. We're still up in the mix. Um, it was good to see. It was good to see Jed Spence come on. It was nice. And I don't know if that was like a symbolic thing because he was up in Nottingham. It was kind of Conte doing right by the lads, letting him kind of come on and say to the sort of fans that have wished him farewell, a kind of like, yeah, he hasn't made a mistake joining us. He is going to get a kind of bit of game time. You know, you kind of feel like Conte, I think at least the image he projects is that he doesn't buy into a lot of this kind of wishy-washy if you want to put it in those sort of terms um stuff but he uh I, it does feel it did feel a bit symbolic to me it felt quite symbolic um we saw Jed Spence as well I don't know if you saw the clip going around on Twitter from like a Spurs play training session or something Jed Spence just looked really fucking good um he seems like an exciting player he got into the box didn't he towards the tail end and he had a sort of little chance on goal but he didn't really come to anything so you know whatever we're not gonna fucking 
dig him out too much for that. We're not going to dig him out at all for that, Jack. We're not going to do that at all. Um, but it's good to see him playing. Ryan Sessegnon again. I, I, you know what? I couldn't really say much of what he did um, by the end of the game, but you know, he, he came on, and I'm good. To, I'm glad to see him kind of still around and about the team. And I think you know they're a good player there. Um, Basuma came on again. Couldn't really say anything he did. I do want to see him play a bit more now. But Richarlison, that's really the main event, right? That's the guy off the bench that we all want to talk about. I've sort of spoke about him at the top there, but he just seems to be a player of real, real genuine quality. Real, And it's funny, isn't it? Because it shouldn't really come as a surprise, but it almost does. But I don't think it's a surprise. I think it's more of a relief. It's a relief that like, yeah, you know, we weren't wrong spending all this money on him. He wasn't just a kind of... Clint Dempsey um, doing well and that's probably doing Dempsey a disservice all I mean by that is that Dempsey looked unbelievable at Fulham and never really kind of took the I don't ever feel he really ever made the most of his career at Spurs Um, and I don't want to see Richarlison do the same I don't want to see him kind of come to a club and just be a bit overwhelmed by the kind of feeling of being left out his lack of opportunities playing for a bigger side. Um, he seems to be every single moment he's on the pitch, grasping it with both hands um, and really kind of just giving it his all. Um, he's He just looks like a brilliant player. I think he's going to, honestly, I think he's going to be fucking brilliant in Champions League. I think he's going to be a real kind of Champions League player for us. Um, I'm really excited about him. I'm really excited about kind of the, I mean, the ball to Kane for the second goal was... It was brilliant. And seeing him fucking... Uh, one thing I've got to say, right, I tweeted about this. Martin Tyler, right? I know I know it's peak, 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 basic, bitch, football fan bullshit when we talk about this commentator hates me, this referee hates me, this official hates me, whatever. But Martin Tyler, man, some of the fucking shit he was chatting. So Richardson, all right, he's juggling the ball. But that's what he does. He's a shit house, right? He's got the opposition fans saying whatever about him whenever he's on the ball or near them, you know, shouting all this shit. And he wants to wind them up and he wants to wind the opposition team up. That's his That's his kind of place in the game, right? We can talk about all this shit about like, oh, that's not why. If you heard a noise in the background there, it just scared the shit out of me. Right, I use this stuff. It's not blue tack. It's like, it's you know that company that does Gorilla Glue? They've got this like Gorilla Tack stuff. I can't remember what it's called. Um, exactly. I think it is maybe just called Gorilla Tack, right? And we put, because, you know, we rent our house and I'm sure anybody else that knows who rents a house, you can't fucking put anything on your walls or anything. You know, <laughs> dare you want to put a mirror or a picture or something on your wall. But we've got like a, you know, just whatever, a map, a, world, a decorative world map on the wall over there. And I'm not fucking Paul Joseph Watson before anybody else wants to say anything like that about it. Um, but we are, uh, and that just fell off the wall in the background because fucking gorilla tack stuff is dog shit. It's not, it's not gorilla tack. It's dog shit. That's what it is. There's my review of it. Um, there's my product review. Um, you can check into the YouTube channel to see me unbox a packet and fucking chuck it in the bin. Um, but I can't remember what I was talking about. I was talking about Richarlison. Fucking fantastic player. Fantastic signing. Look, at the end of the day, it's 2-0 to Tottenham Hotspur. We've won 2-0. That's what we want. We want Spurs to win games, right? Yes, we don't want to give the opposition 
confidence. We don't want to invite them onto us too much. We know we're kind of individually perhaps frail in defence, but that's another clean sheet for them, right? So what the fuck do I know? What the fuck do any of you know? Antonio Conte is the only one that knows right now. Um, and he's sticking by these players. He's sticking by these tactics. He's getting results. I do feel that we're probably maybe losing our asses a little bit because um, Arsenal are doing quite well. But I think we're going to sign a couple more players before the window's out. Um, I th- it was it Gattuso who's in charge of Valencia now was saying that they're going to get... He basically let slip. He was saying, oh, Brian Hill was basically, we're going to sign him. Spurs just need to get his replacement sealed and that's 99% done apparently. So I think it was Fabrizio Romano that I saw tweet about that. Um, you'd imagine my my good pal Charlie Parrish of the Hometown Glory podcast, Parrish, ironically enough, is uh, he, he said that he reckons it's going to be a Dharma Traore and you can imagine it will be. Conte seems to have a bit of a hard-on for him, doesn't he? Um, so... We'll see that, but you know, we'll talk about this in another podcast today. For today, Tottenham Hotspur have won 2 0. It's a good start to the season, whatever way you want to look at it. The results are there, the performances will come later. And even if they don't, if the results keep coming, who the fuck cares? Um, so, yep, yeah, as ever, I'll end this pod by saying if you did like it, please leave a review, leave a rating on your chosen podcast platform of choice. If you want to support the show, you can do so on the buy me a coffee thing. See all the details in the bio on the Rule the Roost Twitter bio. Um, another thing I just want to clear up quickly now as well. Generally, I'm the one that tweets the show and all this type of stuff. If you see other stuff tweeted from the Rule the Roost account, it's still Raj. He's still hovering around. He tweets kind of provocative stuff knowing that people will think it's me. But before, if, if there's anything tweeted mid-match that seems angry or is taking a dig at them, take it up with Raj, not with me, all right? Um, because, yeah. and it, But if it's something funny, then it's me. No, it wasn't. He tweeted something quite funny today about Henderson waving his cap about, um, which was good. But yeah, it's not always, it's not still me. Raj is still here. He's still there, not just in spirit, in person on the Twitter account. He's still using it. Um, so send him some love. Um Come on, you Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.